0: I think having a racket sports background inherently gives you a little bit of an edge at an open play, right so played a few people who were in their 50s 60s and i totally got my ass kicked and losing to these 60 year olds um just made me really want to understand the sport and see where i went wrong
1: hi I'm Crystal Brown, your host. Have you noticed that pickleball is quickly evolving into a faster and harder hitting sport? As more and more tennis players join the pickleball craze, traditional paddle companies haven't yet adjusted their paddles, while well, speedup is focused squarely on innovating to meet the needs of this new game. Meet Santosh Narayanan as he explains the design of their first two paddles, the fire and the ice, and what they have in store for 2024. All right, now to the show. Welcome to Simply Pickleball, the podcast where we discuss all things pickleball, the fastest growing sport in America and around the world. We are interviewing the founders, industry leaders, athletes, lovers of the sport that are driving the spectacular growth. If you love pickleball as much as we do, listen in okay well today I'm so excited to speak with you today Santosh Um really excited to learn about speed up and your paddles but before we get into paddles because I could talk about paddle construction forever I want to just learn a little bit about you and what was your childhood like with sports was that a big influence in your life were you raised playing tennis or any sports just curious yeah for
0: sure crystal I'm happy to be here um, first of all but um yeah no in my childhood
1: I played
0: almost every sport. That's basically what I did outside of school. Um, After school, me and a bunch of friends would get together, play basketball, um, baseball, football, a lot of cricket as well, just because I'm Indian. And I actually didn't play tennis for the longest time. Uh, My first introduction to racket sports was Batman with my parents and also table tennis in my basement.
1: Were your parents also, were they big athletes themselves or encouraging you?
0: Not really. Uh, They were just rec players. They would play with their friends and take me along.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay. So you grew up playing all these sports. And then did you sort of hone in on one sport as you got older in high school and college?
0: Yeah. And my favorite sport growing up was basketball. So Uh middle school, I played basketball. I also played basketball in freshman year of high school. However, I didn't really get a lot of minutes, mainly because I wasn't the biggest guy. I'm 5'7". And that's kind of when my parents nudged me towards tennis. Uh, my brother was playing tennis as well. so um, And I've, I've hit around a little bit and I played on my high school team my freshman year. But after my freshman year of basketball, that's when I really started taking tennis seriously.
1: Yeah. And um, And so did you play tennis throughout high school and did you go to college for tennis? That seems to be a really interesting thread with yeah. some paddle manufacturers. <laughs>
0: Yep. And I played tennis throughout high school. Um, I also played on my club team at the University of Michigan. So yeah, lots of tennis. And yeah, no, post-college, I just moved out to Seattle and I was trying to play a lot of tennis. Um, However, in Seattle, it's kind of tough to play tennis, especially when you don't have a car, because most of our courts aren't inside the city. You got to travel ways away to actually play tennis. And for the longest time, I had not played pickleball. But I'd always hear it at the local courts. Um A lot of people would be playing um, and I never gave it a shot. Um, I was actually a pickleball hater. Um, right, I always tennis. thought that this is this mini tennis taking over our courts and it's already hard to play tennis. And with these pickleball players on our courts, it's even harder. Right. And that was only my thought process until I tried pickleball, especially since tennis is. It's kind of harder to set up games. You have to set up a game with one other person and you can't just show up to a court and play. And that's kind of what got me into pickleball. Uh, I walked over to my local court, didn't have a paddle, didn't have anything. Um, But I just found that community to be so welcoming and just fun to be around. Um, They didn't take the sport as seriously. Um, They lent me a paddle, showed me the ropes, showed me how to play. um, And I very quickly fell in love with the game.
1: But when you were sitting there thinking, well, I'll just pick it up and try it, where you sort of like you were intrigued, there was something about it that you were interested in, or was someone trying to convince you that you'd really like the sport? Or, you know, how did that happen? Because, again, like there's a lot of people that are really on the tennis side. I I wish there wasn't such a controversy between the two sports, but there seems to be a little bit for now. But so I'm just curious, were, were were, were you curious about the sport yourself and you really just wanted to give it a shot?
0: I think it wasn't necessarily a curiosity. I was more just like, oh, I need to get out and get active. And this looks like something to do, right? Yep. So yeah.
1: Okay. So you, someone lent you a paddle and you started playing and was it kind of an immediate, you just fell in love with the sport. I,
0: I think it was so, so right. You go into an open play. It's not as competitive and coming from tennis. We're trying to hit the ball as hard as we can. And I, I think having a racket sports background inherently gives you a little bit of an edge at an open play. Right. So I dabbled with it a little bit at these open plays, but what really got me into the sport was when I went back home to Charlotte and I went to a few open plays there as well. And I played a few people who were in their fifties, sixties, and I totally got my ass kicked. (laughs) And that's what really got me in. Um, I was motivated. Um, I'm a very competitive person and losing to these 60 year olds um, just made me really want to understand the sport and see where I went wrong. Right. So what did you do next? So I went home. I bought a paddle. Um, My first paddle was the Franklin Signature. And I just started training inside my house. I was dinking with my mom. Um, (laughs) I started reviewing a lot of footage, trying to understand the strategy of pickleball and trying to understand like, how did I lose to these people playing the game super slow when I'm hitting super hard, right? And... That's when I learned there's so much strategy to this game and it's not as simple as it looks from a surface level.
1: Right. I, I just read something that's probably other people know, which is it's easy to play hard to master. So, and I think that's very true. Very true. Okay. So again, this wasn't that long ago and you start playing the game. You could just be, you know, another player that I see all the time, but that's not what happened. You decided that so you bought a paddle. What did you start to figure out about the paddle industry or about your, the paddle you were playing with?
0: Yeah, so that Franklin didn't last long. Um, I played with it for about a month, and and that's kind of around the time frame when all these Gen Two thermoform paddles started coming out. And I wanted any edge to this game that I could get. Right. So about a month after I bought my first paddle, I bought my second paddle, and. I did shell out a few bucks for that. It was about $230, $240. And again, that only lasted me two months. Within two months, my paddle delaminated. And that's around the same time there was all this, um, paddle gate and all these issues going around in the pro circuit. And I was kind of just sitting there like, Hey, what happened here? Like I spent almost $250 on this paddle and it only lasted me two months.
1: Well, th- that's Meet a good mom. question. That's a good question. I, I want to let you continue. But um, how did you know that it was delaminated? And I, and I bring this up because I think, and in, in, I've brought this up in some other episodes too, uh, it's really hard for an average player to know, number one, if their paddle is delaminated, but also if someone they're playing has a delaminated paddle. So how did you know right away that that's what was happening?
0: Yeah. So first, um, there's a ton of informational videos coming out on YouTube to understand like what actually causes delamination, right? But some of the telltale signs is that one, the paddle will sound a lot louder. And it'll sound louder because there is actually um, a disbonding between um, the core and the surface, right? So it makes almost like a gunshot noise, but also that paddle just hits so hard. For a little bit, I thought I was just an amazing player. That's kind of when I understood like, hey, like my paddle is actually legal.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so you spend $250. It's delaminated. And then what happens? Yeah.
0: So, um, I had my delaminated paddle in one hand and right next to it, I had a few tennis rackets and I started to compare the two. I've paid $200 for a tennis racket and it lasted over five years. However, this pickleball paddle only lasted two months, right? So there's some sort of discrepancy going on here. Like in my mind, so much technology goes into developing tennis rackets And I didn't see the same level of technological advancement in a pickleball paddle, right? So in my mind, there's no reason they should be the same price, right? And because of that, I started taking apart an existing pickleball paddle that I had and start to understand what is this actually made out of, like, why is this so pricey, right? And at a high level view, a pickleball paddle construction is actually not that complex. The core is made out of essentially a piece of plastic, a polypropylene core, Um, with a honeycomb structure. Uh, And then there is a face sandwiched on top of it on both sides and an edge guard. And then we wrap a grip on it and we're good to go. Um, So that's like a very high level view of a pickleball paddle.
1: Can I ask you a question though? I mean, not everybody decides to take apart a paddle. Did you have an engineering background or was that something that was, were you always one of those kids that, you know, took things apart and didn't understand? I mean, I think a lot of players have the same experience, Santosh, that they're frustrated, but they don't take that next step. So I'm curious if that was something, would we have known this was going to happen because you had a Precursor.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So um, I did have an engineering background. Um, I studied industrial engineering at the University of Michigan, but also I was actually a huge tennis racket nerd. Um, I was always uh, taking apart my tennis rackets, Um, trying to figure out how I could customize that um, and maybe get an edge on the tennis court as well. So played around with a lot of lead, a lot of different setups with stringing, um, grips and so on. So
1: gotcha. Okay. So we might've known that you might've taken part of paddle. Okay. So you take apart this paddle and, and, and what do you think? Are you thinking like, you know, are you frustrated that you paid that much or do you feel like there's technology that could be advanced? You know, what was sort of your next step? Hey, pickleballers, Crystal Brown here from Simply Pickleball, the ultimate channel for everything pickleball. If you're passionate about the fastest growing sport in America, you're in the right place. We have been fortunate enough to sit down with some incredible personalities in the pickleball world from pro players sharing their climb to winning gold, to the founders and industry leaders shaping the game. We're bringing you the inside scoop about what makes pickleball the incredible phenomenon it is today. But here's the thing, we need your support to keep the pickleball party going strong. Subscribing to our channel not only helps keep you in the loop with the latest news, tips, and highlights, but it also helps us to continue to produce amazing content just for you. Our community is made up of pickleball enthusiasts, just like you players of all types, skill levels and ages, or maybe you just love to watch the game, whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, we've got something for everyone. So how can you join the pickleball party and support simply pickleball? It's as easy as hitting that subscribe button. Don't forget to turn on your notifications so you never miss out on the action. By subscribing, you're not only becoming part of our community, you're helping us grow and bring you even more exciting content, interviews, and stories from the heart of the pickleball world. Thank you so much for being part of Simple Pickleball, where the love of pickleball has no boundaries. Subscribe now, hit the subscribe button, and let's keep the pickleball passion alive together.
0: Yeah, so um, my first thought was that, hey, like, I think I can do the same thing, but for a much better price, right? Um, make the same level of quality pickleball paddles um, a lot more accessible to the general public. And initially, I started reaching out to a few different manufacturers to really understand like, hey, what what is the cost structure that goes into manufacturing pickleball paddles, right? So we received a few quotes, um, multiple different prototypes from multiple different paddle manufacturers to find something that we liked. And the initial idea for our company and the initial mission was to Make pickleball a lot more accessible to the general public at a much cheaper price, right? So we named ourselves the People's Paddle. And this is actually a paddle that we're still, I'm still a little embarrassed about, about how it came about, but this is what it looked like, right? It's, it's this form paddle awesome. with people here, a pixelated image, um, not the best looking, right? But this was one of our first prototypes of paddles that we got from our manufacturer.
1: So you, your your first mission was, listen, we should make yeah. these high-level thermoform paddles. And I want to talk about thermoform a little bit, carbon-faced, yeah. so that everyone or anyone could afford that, which is a great mission. And so, but then you pivoted a little bit. So what, what did you learn when you were going so, down that path? Um, as we
0: started getting all these prototypes, um, we started doing some market research and we understood that hey, there's actually a lot of players already in this in this specific category for the budget pickleball paddles. A lot of really high quality paddles. For example, um, Vadic's a really good example, right? They were one of the first to reduce their prices for these Thermoform paddles, and they hover around the one hundred to one hundred forty dollars price point, right? And as we started looking through the market, Amazon. There was a lot of players in the space, a lot of hundred to one hundred fifty dollar paddles, right? So, if we wanted to have a shot at actually selling any paddles and not being in an oversaturated market, we had to differentiate ourselves somehow, right? And that's kind of where our tennis backgrounds came in. Both me and my co-founder. One thing that we didn't find in the market was um, we both had two-handed backhands, and there were no paddles with elongated handles out on the market at that time. So that's when we start to develop our own mold and our own shape, right?
1: Yeah. So so a couple questions. One is, by the way, we have another episode uh, with Vatic where he talks a little bit about what you're talking about. I hope everyone will subscribe and listen to all of our episodes, but you know, you're right. There are a fair number of other, I would say newer companies that had the same realization you did, which is like, I don't think we need to spend this. Did you find that, you know, just before we get too much into speed up and I really want to talk about your paddles, what did you figure out about Thermoform and why does Thermoform help? A player play better or why does the carbon face what what is it about that construction if you know that really helps pickleball and pickleball players versus fiberglass or non thermoform paddles
0: yeah so um there's two main um aspects that really help with thermoforming one is power and one is durability right um essentially when we do thermoform a paddle uh, you wrap the entire paddle with um, carbon fiber sheets and you essentially put it in almost like an oven, right? You're you're heating up this paddle and all of that carbon fiber turns into one piece. And carbon fiber is one of the lightest and strongest materials in the world. So when we do thermoform it, the paddle is extremely durable because it's all made of one piece. So like one of these paddles, like I I can hit it up against my, my leg and like it's not really gonna break, right? But also when we do kind of like harden that carbon fiber, that paddle is just gonna hit a lot harder and it's gonna be very powerful.
1: But still legal. Not it's not gonna be delaminated.
0: So it does pass all of the deflection tests done by the US USAPA.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so you realize you want the niche or you are going after this niche. And maybe just backing up again did you want to start a company? I mean, this, uh, you could do any one of these things on the side for fun, you know, or just sort of figure this out, but not decide to actually start a company. So did you have it sort of on your radar that you'd wanted to become a founder and want to start a company?
0: Yeah. And at, at first we were mainly just looking to explore the market and like, see if there is a need for this. Um, but as we spoke to more and more people, um, a lot of people had the same realization and I didn't want to be spending like $200, $250 on these paddles. So we figured that through our exploration, a lot of other people could also benefit from what we're working towards.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So, so you decide you're going to construct something with an elongated handle and, but still the thermoform construction, correct? And so yeah. how did you come up with the, the design and the shape of the speed up?
0: First, uh, we did want an elongated handle that um, would suit our tennis backgrounds we were coming from, right? So both me and my co-founder had two-handed backhands. Um, so that was like the one non-negotiable that we wanted in our pa- in our paddles, right? Um, so the niche we found were was the transitioning tennis player. Tennis players coming over to pickleball. Um, so we actually have two models. We have um, the Fire 14 right here. Um, and the I 16. And these two pals are going for two different things, right? Fire 14 is meant to be really poppy and really fast in your hands. So here we have that elongated six inch handle. And this handle, what makes it unique is that it actually feels exactly like a tennis racket. We actually take an extra step in our process and we mold this entire handle uh, with, it's called polyurethane. Um, and it's actually a common material used in tennis racket handles. So I actually have um, a tennis racket right here. Wilson tennis rackets actually use this in their process as well. So this is the polyurethane that they use. Um, and this is actually what our paddles handles here as well.
1: Oh, I see. So is there a a length of the handle that is legal or illegal, what, what are the dimensions that you needed to consider when yeah. you were thinking about so, this?
0: Um there's no restrictions on the length of the handle. However, there is restrictions on the total um, dimensions of the paddle. So the restrictions that the USAPA has placed is that the length and the width of the paddle, um, if you add the two, it can't surpass 24 inches. So that was the constraint we were working around there.
1: You design your paddle specifically or in particular for those people that want a two-handed backhand, because that's yeah. what that's what you do in tennis. And what are you finding out there about the people that really want that?
0: Yeah, and so, something we're finding is that this two-handed backhand is here to stay. Um, I think in the way this game is evolving, uh, with pace going up, tennis players coming in, the two-handed backhand is almost an essential shot in the game. And we even see this at the pro level. For example, Ben Johns is adding this to his game, especially at the kitchen line. And almost, I would say, nine out of 10 the top pros hit a two-headed backhand, right? So um, I think we're going to start to see this shot grow, especially at the amateur level. And sooner or later, everybody's going to be hitting this shot. That's kind of where our paddle comes in to help. You can fit two hands on this um, perfectly without even choking up on the paddle. Um, but you can if you want, right? Especially for those with very big hands. We've actually had a few customers with very big hands actually fill up this entire paddle with one hand.
1: (laughs) I think you're right though. And I think I see that a lot out in the rec courts is that, you know, whether they're transitioning from being a tennis player or not really trying to learn the two-handed backhand because of the power that it has. And, And like you said, the game has really increased power. I mean, so, you know, this is unique. There aren't that many other paddles, Santosh, that have really thought through making sure that you can So you're kind of a leader in that. One question I wanted to ask is, so you mentioned pros. Um, Some of the paddle companies have decided to sponsor pros. Is that something that you have on your radar that that maybe maybe there is someone like Jack Sock was a Wimbledon uh, winner and he just... It's funny we're using the word transition, but he's just maybe started to play because maybe they don't forget about tennis all the time. But they're becoming really big in the pickleball world or even Andre Agassi. And I mean, what if one of them wants to be sponsored? Have you thought about that? Yeah.
0: So um, that is something we've thought about. And it's actually something that has been a little tough for us Um, since we're such a new company. We don't have the cash flow of some of these really large companies that can shell out um, thousands and thousands of dollars sponsoring pros. Right now, most of our um, pros are high-level D1 players who we offer free gear to. However, as we grow as a company, it might be something that's on the horizon. We would love to sponsor pros and have a lot of pros use our money, but it's becoming a very competitive space on that end. And I think that's actually something that helps us keep our cost structure down. If you see some of these companies like Yola, Selkirk, Carbon, their paddles are up in the 200s because they spend so much on marketing for these pros. Right now, that's not something we do or we have the uh, capabilities to do. Um, Right now, we are mainly focused on the consumer and getting them a paddle that is on par with a lot of these top manufacturers at a cheaper price.
1: Yeah, that's really a good distinction in where... Where is that extra savings going and or coming from, right? So if you are spending less on marketing or spending less, um, you know, sponsorships, those are smart decisions. Even if you can, you know, control the manufacturing costs or working with an agent or something in in China. So I think those are really smart decisions. And like you said, I mean, every at least once a year, likely these paddles in general, you know, you'll see rec players, amateur players replacing pros are replacing them every game practically. Um, and so you know i think for all of us getting used to playing with a a good paddle every so often we're going to need to replace them and then it's going to be about our own budget and how much do you want to spend on the sport it it, i like i said i when we were thinking about comparables running running shoes versus maybe golf where you invest a lot of money in your golf clubs but you may not replace them ever so i think we have to think about it like the type of sport that you really want quality this is the only thing you're going to have to buy Minus the balls, which you practically have to replace those every game.
0: (laughs) And and I think pickleball is still growing so fast. It's ever-changing. Technology is changing. And as we start to kind of hit a point of maturity, maybe that's when our equipment starts to last a lot longer. Tennis and golf have been around for so long that um, there have been minor technological advancements in the recent years. But... If you look at a lot of these tennis pros, they stick to the same racket for 10, 15 years. And maybe that's something we'll see in pickleball, but I think the growth is so new and we're going to have to learn with the sport. I think there's a lot of changes going around with the USAPA and testing on what should be legal, what shouldn't be legal that I I think this is natural in the game and like the paddle development process.
1: I'm really glad you brought that up, Santosh, because I think it's it is really important to know to to note that we are a young sport, and there is there is a lot changing. Like like you mentioned, the game is playing a lot faster. So dinking is still there, but it's a, it can be a very fast game, and you know that's different than when some octogenarians yeah. are playing you know, for recreation and it's a much slower game, but now the pro level and the MLP. So it's just, it is a good reminder for listeners and for all of us that we're still relatively new and that there may be a paddle down the road that will last a lot longer. And that all of us trying these paddles and giving feedback is super important that, you know, to get to that And, and having a lot of entrepreneurs like you really challenging. I mean, that happens in every industry when entrepreneurs think, Hey, I think there's a better way to do the thing that's been done. Even that happened with search. That's why Google's around is that there were plenty yeah, of other search cool. engines, right? I mean, so it, I think it's, it's fun to be part of that and having smart, bright minds like you guys figuring out, like, how can we make this better? So very appreciative of that. Well, so, okay. If you're going to then elongate the handle, which I think a lot of the pro players now are playing with two-handed backhands. Yeah. And obviously a lot of the um, transitioning tennis players, but then you have to make some other decisions about the paddle. So were you concerned that maybe, you know, what other, you know, if you have to like shrink the face. Yeah.
0: So, so inherently, if we are to increase the size of the handle, um, our face is going to shrink a little bit. However, um, that's kind of when it came down to the testing phase of our paddles, right? Um, we had a few of these prototypes and we had a few people try it out and, At first glance, it might look like the face is much smaller, but it actually hasn't made as noticeable as a difference as we initially thought we would, right? So if you want to compare the face of this paddle to actually one of the most popular paddles on the market, um, which is this Selkirk um, Power Invicta. If you look at the design of this paddle, you actually have this smile on here. And all of this is not usable surface area for the paddle, right?
1: Right, right, right.
0: So if you actually put them up against each other...
1: Oh yeah, interesting.
0: The face actually isn't much smaller, right? Right, Um, right. All that's left is this unusable area. So as we did um, do a lot of user testing, most players above the 3-5 level were able to make consistent contact in the middle.
1: Gotcha. And is, and that that could be another niche that you're going after too. It's like, this is a paddle. Yeah. It's not going to be your first paddle. I know people refer to them as the Amazon paddles. You know, it's not going to be yeah. your Amazon paddle, but your next level. So I think you're absolutely right that people don't want to overspend, you know, pickleball players don't want to overspend, yeah. but the expectation also can't be the same as, as a tennis racket, right? You might have your tennis racket, like you said, for five years, you know, what should a pickleball player expect for, for how long their paddle should last?
0: The the thing about pickleball is there's going to be consistent contact of a very hard plastic on your paddle. Right. So over time that paddle is going to degrade in quality just because it's one very hard surface hitting another very hard surface. Right. So I would say on average, if you're playing like between three times a week and every day, a paddle should last between three months and six months for a user. If you're playing less than that, it could last up to a year, even more. But um, I would say for optimal um, performance, it's going to last between three and six months. And tennis track, if there are other expenses incurred, for example, you're constantly changing out strings, right? Uh, some people replace strings for between 20 and 30 yards every week.
1: Really? I didn't know that. I'm not a tennis player. So that's interesting. Yeah. I think, I think those, I was trying to think of a comparable sport this morning. Um, and one of them, you know, with let's say running you, if you're going to run every day, five miles every other day or whatever, you're going to have to replace your running shoes. So we should expect at some point that. You know, you have to. You have to know that that's the cost. Although there's not that many other costs. Okay, so back to your paddles for a second. So you have two yeah. paddles right now. You have the fourteen and the sixteen, a millimeter. And otherwise, right. are they the same? Are they designed the same?
0: Where is this? No. So um, one unique difference between our fourteen and our sixteen is the shape, right? Um, so we wanted the fourteen to just feel really fast in your hands um, and be a little bit poppier, right? So. Having a thinner core at 14 millimeters has these paddles play a little bit poppier, but also the shape is different. So we have uh, implemented this hybrid shape. Uh, so these paddles just flow through the air a little bit faster. Our 16, our thought process with the 16 millimeter was that, hey, like we wanted to um, help players maybe slow the game down a little bit, freeze the pace, hence the name ice. So We have a thicker core, um, 16 millimeters, And we wanted to give this a little bit larger of a sweet spot. So the face is slightly larger than our Fire 14. We have this elongated shape. So the sweet spot's a little bit bigger and it's a little bit easier on resets, dinks, and drops just because of that soft feeling.
1: Is that what the thicker paddle does? Is it creates a little bit more control than maybe the 14?
0: Since it's a thicker core, there's a little bit more cushion. So um, that paddle feels a little bit softer. Um, so there is a little bit more control on almost every
1: shot. That's awesome. So what what else did you learn about con- paddle construction? I know there's like foam injected edges. Yep. What does that do? <laughs> yeah. So, so
0: foam injected edges, it actually adds a little bit of weight to the perimeter of the paddle. So um, it helps to enlarge that sweet spot of your paddle and add a little bit more stability. So especially on off center shots, if you hit the ball like here or here, Um, that's going to help give a more even response to your paddle. And that's also something you can um, help with lead tape. So if you want to add lead tape on basically around the paddle, that's going to help change the way the paddle plays in terms of power, uh, spin, and um, the sweet spot in different ways.
1: Do you recommend that with your paddles? Do you find that a lot of the players using your paddles are are weighting them?
0: Yeah. So especially with our Fire 14, since... um, the sweet spot is a little bit smaller. We do recommend um, adding lead to maybe the throats. However, you um, know it, uh, it's all dependent on the person, right? Uh, some people can't handle a paddle that's 8.5 ounces uh, just because of weight. Because in pickleball, you're hitting so many balls consistently that it's a little bit more tiring on the muscles. Our paddles do come in at a lower stock weight, between 7.8 and eight 8 ounces. But it's up to the user to tailor their paddle how they want to use it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i I went to a camp level up pickleball camp and, um, which I have another episode reminding yeah. everyone to please subscribe so they don't miss any. And we talked a lot about lead tape at the camp where you know they really recommended that most people put lead on because they actually don't have to work as hard to hit the ball, you know, so it could actually help their arm or whatever. But, but I'm someone who, who likes a little bit of a lighter paddle. And so interesting. Yeah. Just how everyone's. So
0: there are trade-offs, right? Um, If you add a lot of lead to your paddle, it's going to be heavier. It's going to hit a little bit harder just because there's more mass moving through the air. Yes. However, it does sacrifice your hand speed, right? Especially when you're at the kitchen and in these like intense firefights, you're not going to have as quick of hands to get to the ball early.
1: Right. Well, I I found out about your paddles. I probably should have started with this, but I found out about your paddles when we were playing um, against to, I guess that maybe they're friends of yours or someone who, who knew about your paddles and they were incredibly good players, but also the ball was moving really fast. And we were like, whoa, this is amazing. And that's when we started looking into your paddles. So, so speaking of that, how are you getting the word out about your paddles and about your company? And, you know, it is a competitive space. There are a lot of players in the, in the space. But there's also a growing audience, so how do you kind of create a name for yourself, besides hopefully all the people that hear this? You know How are people learning about your paddles and where are you selling them mostly?
0: Most of our paddles are selling on our website, and at this point, we actually haven't invested in traditional marketing channels such as social media, and we're not running all of these ads just because we don't really see the ROI on it just yet. Our paddles are already quite lower priced, so At the current stage we're at, we don't want to spend more capital on social media ads, right? Um, But what we've found about the pickleball space is that uh, consumers buy paddles from people that they know and trust. And also when they're actually trying the paddle, they need to actually try the paddle before they buy it, right? So our main channel is through um, ambassadors. We have several um, high-level players in the area in Seattle, San Francisco, all over the country who use our paddles. We provide them with demos and they show people around, have people actually play with it. And if a customer plays with it and actually likes their paddle, um, then they proceed to go to our website to buy a paddle.
1: Yeah, it's exactly how we ended up with one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And right right now, we're also expanding into pro shops. Uh, So we've been talking to a lot of pro shops of local pickleball clubs, and they have demo some of our demo paddles to let their members try. So, yeah, those are our two main channels right now. Um, you can buy a paddle either through our website at a local pro shop or through one of our ambassadors. Well,
1: we'll definitely provide the link in our show notes. It's speed up yeah. pickleball. So, what is your hope with your co-founder? You know, what, what do you guys hope to accomplish maybe in the next few months and, and maybe beyond that? It was just kind of, you know, it's it's fun to start a company, but it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Um, it is a lot of work. Um right now we're in this growth phase, right? Um I think we've been open to the consumer for about 2 to 3 months. We started in September. So right now, we're trying to grow our brand, um, get more paddles in people's hands, um, and really chase that niche of tennis players transitioning over to pickleball. That's actually where we do see the sport growing right now at the professional level. I think almost 80% of our top 50 pros in pickleball were ex-tennis players, right?
1: Oh, interesting. So, so that's where know. we're
0: seeing this sport move. So we do want to grow in that user base. But something that we're very excited about is um, launching new paddles. Um, we currently have several different types of prototypes in the works. I can't share information on that just yet, but we do want to grow like in terms of the, the technological advancement in this space. Um, so we're experimenting with a lot of different face materials, core materials and handle shape. So, um, yeah, so ideally we just want to put out the best product for our customer and, um, hopefully we do that through the experimentation we're doing right now.
1: That's great. I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, I was, again, I was trying to think of a comparable sport like baseball bats where, you know, they started out as wood, which actually so did pickleball paddles, right? And then more and more innovation came. And so are you finding that with pickleball paddles that there's sort of new materials that are, are your manufacturers bringing to you and giving you ideas, or are you guys going out and sort of studying what would be comparable? How are you figuring out what changes? And again, you don't have to share too much, but I hope you'll come back and share more once yeah. you release new paddles, but how are you figuring out basically what paddles might work uh, or sorry, what, what materials might work?
0: Yeah. So a lot of it, we're looking at it from a material science um, lens. We're trying to um, study different material and how it will um, translate into pickleball, right? So for example, one popular new material that's being introduced out into the market is Kevlar. Kevlar is similar to carbon fiber. It's also a very light but strong material that's a little softer than carbon fiber. So that's going to help just soften up those strokes. The paddle isn't going to hit as hard. Um, but it's going to be nice on your touch shots. We are looking at these different materials from a stiffness, um, strength, and durability lens. And there's just so many different material out there. So uh, we're experimenting with a lot of it. And once we have something that we think is a hit, um, I'll have more to share with you guys.
1: Yeah, that's great. So how are you feeling about the business as a whole? Are you feeling like it's, you know, is this something that you and your partner had a vision of becoming the next Wilson or head, or do you feel like just, you know, you wanted to just sell a good product and and see where it goes? Do you guys have, or maybe you have, don't even have the same vision as each other. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I mean, right now we're, we need to walk before we can run. So um, we just launched our first paddle in September. So We're going to see how that does, um, grow it as much as we can. And I I don't think we're even close to becoming the next Wilson or Babot at this stage right now. So at this stage, we just want to get a good product in customers' hands and have them be satisfied with it.
1: That's And and are you hearing that? Are you getting customer feedback?
0: Yeah, we're getting very good feedback, especially from these ex-tennis players. Um, I've heard from a lot of them that are Handle and just our paddle, it feels like they're almost playing tennis on a pickleball court, which which was our intention with these paddles. That's what we were going for. So it is good to hear.
1: That's awesome. Do you feel like in the next few months, you guys, I mean, are you selling enough paddles? Are you, are they flying off the shelves or is it just still the two of you? Or do you guys have, is your team growing? Um, It's still
0: just the two of us.
1: And for our
0: first run, we didn't do a very large sum of inventory. But we are seeing sales grow more and more as more paddles are out in the market, just because this spreads through word of mouth, right? This Black Friday weekend has been quite busy for us in terms of paddle sales. So we're excited to see where this goes.
1: That's really exciting, Santosh. Well, and so do you still get to play? Are you still... Do you still have time to play pickleball? And yeah. you know, you have other commitments in your life as well? <laughs>
0: Honestly, I still play almost every day. I'm so addicted to this game. Um, It's been so much fun. And I think I'm hitting 11 months in terms of playing. And yeah, I'm just going to try to keep getting better just because... That's great. The game is so fun.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said also in the beginning, um, maybe, you know, as we're wrapping up about community and I think that there's something very special and unique about the pickleball community, like you said, playing against 50, 60, 70 year olds that are playing with you know, former college D one or D three tennis players, you know, on the same court, I think that's really unique. And I I think there is such an appetite because, you know, I, I think, you know, and I'm curious what you think about this. Someone said to me, well, it could be just a fad, like, you know, paddle tennis or racquetball, but I don't think so. And I'm curious what you think. Could this be, is this going to be a fad or is it going to be something like tennis that lasts throughout the ages? I don't think this
0: is going to be a fad. Be quite honest with you. Um, I, I feel like most people, once they start playing pickleball, I've seen this. It's so contagious. Like everybody, once they play, it's almost, it consumes a large part of their lives. Um, it's just so addicting. It's so fun. It keeps people active. It keeps people social. There's this great sense of community, like you said. I think once people get hooked on pickleball, I don't think it's going away. And that's great. A, a lot of people that I've been talking to and playing with, um, have actually been playing for the past 10, 15 years. So that's kind of just a small bit of evidence that like, Hey, once you start, um, it's very hard to stop.
1: That's a really good point. Cause you're in Seattle and that is where the sport began. Yeah. And so there are people there that have been playing for 10 or 15 years that you probably run into, right?
0: Yeah. And, and it's actually something that was taught in uh, gym class since elementary school. So most natives of Washington have been playing this um, for a very long time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And it's spreading, you know, through to other countries as well. You know, I know it's big in Australia and some parts of Europe and parts of Asia, India. And then, you know, are, you know. one question I want to ask you about manufacturing, are you manufacturing uh, abroad or in the U.S.?
0: Uh, we manufacture abroad. Most, like much of the other manufacturers. Um, oh, yeah. I would say 99% of paddles are coming from China. But what's also unique about Chinese manufacturing is that they're manufacturing almost all of these paddles, That they've actually become very good at it. And in fact, a lot of the top paddle brands have actually preferred some of the Chinese-made paddles compared to like the
1: American-made paddles. Interesting. Was it hard for you guys to figure out how to, you know, sort of negotiate deals and work abroad, or did you have some background in that, or your partner perhaps?
0: So we actually did not have an extensive background in that. We do have a background in manufacturing. However, the main challenge was the communication with them. Um, some of our manufacturers did not speak English, only Chinese. Um, so we did hire a few of our friends as translators to talk through it with them and we ended up with a very good manufacturer that um has been doing this for quite a quite a bit and they actually manufacture for a few other of these top brands yeah
1: well that's where it comes down to design and function and and your focus right so if you guys you know if you if you're really thoughtful about the construction, you're going to come up with a great paddle. And like I said, I've played with your paddle. It's amazing. I think it's a great paddle. I think people should try it and love it. We'll put everything in the show notes links to your site. Santosh, I really appreciate your time. And I really wish you a lot of luck with your brand. I'm excited to hear about some of the changes or new paddles coming out. So I hope you'll come back and share with us a little bit more. And again, you know, good luck to you and your partner. And thank you so much for joining today. Yeah,
0: thank you so much for having me, Crystal. Enjoyed talking to you.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Simply Pickleball. We will be back very soon with great interviews, discussions, and more—all about pickleball. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or any of your favorite podcasting outlets. Until next time, happy dinking!